thanks for being here today. I know it's cruddy weather out there, unless you just really, really like traveling in some rain, but uh, we need the rain, so that's a good thing. Rain's always good. But just before we get started, I want to pray, because I really, really want us all to hear from the Lord. And I believe that every single one of us, uh, I believe that God has something for every single one of us. I know we're going to be talking about marriage, but the, the keys and the principles that we're going to be talking about will work for every single relationship. So it doesn't matter if you're a single teen, you've, you still have relationships with one another, and these principles are going to work uh, with them. If you're married or if you've been married for many years uh, or remarried, these principles will work. Or if you're vowed to never marry, these will still work <laughs> because you still have to have a relationship with somebody. Uh, so let's pray. Father, in the next few moments, we're going to need your help. We want to articulate and communicate what you want to say to your people today. Whether they're seated here in this sanctuary or whether they're watching online, God, I'm asking you to work through every word that is spoken to challenge each and every heart so that when we leave here, we leave better than we came. We leave changed. And I'm asking this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, just before we start talking about some of these things, I want to set this up because I read an article this last week that I thought, wow, it's really provoking, but it kind of sets up uh, where I want to go today in this conversation. And, and the, the article is talking about America is far, in a far worse situation than we understand or realizing that we're, we're facing a national collapse because all of our essentials, it, I'll get to where this ties in in just a minute. All of our essential institutions are under either extreme strain, uh, they're inefficient or ineffective. And I'm talking about everything from politics, the political system, the financial system, the educational system, arts and entertainment to news organizations. Everything is broken and even more importantly, above all of that, we've lost the common commitment to the Judeo-Christian values and Judeo-Christian morality that our country was built upon. Uh, and I say that because this, this article went on into the fact that there are two critical indicators of a moral decline in, in our country, unless revival takes place. And the good news is we still believe in revival. Come on, can I get a better amen? We still believe that God can step in. He can change everything. So that's what we're believing for. But the critical indicators without the revival, here's what happens, uh, is that, that shows a moral collapse, a national collapse, uh, the collapse of a nation. Our current state of the nuclear family, which is a, a mother and a father and dependent children. That's what a nuclear family is. The nuclear family and the lack of adequately educated Americans. These two things are necessary for rebuilding a nation or rebuilding a community. And uh, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.4 children, that's one in four, will be raised in a home without a, uh, a biological father, a stepfather, or an adoptive father. 18.4, one in four kids will be raised without a father in the home. And the reason I say that is because we know statistically and now, of course, with Jesus, everything changes. But statistically, 
Children that are raised in a home without a father, the boys will be ordinarily fueled and filled with anger and hatred, and girls tend to gravitate towards promiscuity. So we know that Jesus and a church community helps change that. But we have a moral decline, and largely in part because there's a breakdown in the family. Uh, when it comes to education, the necessary uh, building blocks to rebuild uh, and to remain effective and innovative and rebuild educationally are these three things, reading, math, and science. America used to be number one in all of them. Now China is number one in all of them. And despite our government spending four times as much as any other developed country on education and spending 1,100 hours a year in teaching, which they're supposed to be teaching, uh, which is more than any other developed country, we now are 13th in the world in reading, we're 37th in the world in math, and we're, what, 18th in the world in science. That's on the next slide. Uh, so what I'm saying is there's an educational problem, but even more than that, there is a problem with our families. And General Douglas MacArthur said this, then I'm going to stop. History fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral decay, have not passed into political and economic decline. There has been either a spiritual awakening to overcome the moral lapse or a progressive deterioration leading to ultimate national disaster. So if we don't have a revival, there will be continued moral collapse in our nation. So we need a revival in the family. And this is the reason I'm saying this is because we believe that better marriages create better families, which create better communities, which will create a better nation and a better world. But it all starts with a better you. It's got to start right here with each and every one of us. And, and so I'm going to talk a little bit. We're going to talk about the healthy marriage versus the unhealthy marriage, because this is one thing that every one of us need to understand, married or single, is that until you get healthy, every relationship that you have is an attempt to fix you. Until you get healthy, every relationship is an attempt to try to fill a void that you have in your life. So you, many people, they will attach themselves to others simply because it helps meet a need. It helps fill a void. It helps you feel more complete. You got to get yourself fixed first. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit. In chapter 25, of our book that we wrote, Better Marriage Against All Odds, the opening quote is a quote that says, our broken marriage didn't begin with broken vows. It began with our broken lives because we were broken. We just, we didn't have it together. And most people don't have a marriage problem. They think they have a marriage problem. They don't have a marriage problem. They have a me problem. They have an I problem. It's a you problem. It's an individual problem. And once you get fixed, then you can fix the marriage. Now, we were pretty broken. That's why we wrote about it. We tell about the good, the bad, and the ugly here in Better Marriage Against All Odds. And when our marriage crumbled uh, because I broke our vows after 12 years, was it about 12 years? 
after about 11 years after all that, Starlet says, I think we need to write. Yeah, yeah, you started earlier. I, I, yeah, she said, I think we ought to write a book. I said, what do you want to write about? She said, I think we ought to tell our story. I said, oh, no, 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 let's don't do that. Uh, no, why in the world do I want to put the worst season of my life on pages to be read forever? So for, it took about two years of me dragging my feet. Finally, we wrote the book. Starla writes the first 10 chapters, and I write the next 10, and then we write five chapters together of how we're doing life differently now. So, so what was it like writing your story in that book? That's a new question. Yeah, it's new. Yeah. Keeping it new. Uh, you know, we had, we had gone through restoration, but it took a lot of years to heal. And so when we felt like we were restored and healed enough, then writing it was, it was freedom because we, we went away, wrote it, we went in different rooms of the house we were staying in and wrote. And then at night, we would come together and read each other's chapters. And it was, it was like reading somebody else's story, somebody who was really screwed up story. <laughs> but it was amazing. We could also see how far God had taken us and how much healing we had received when we would go back and just read what we went through and the process we went through of healing. But it did. It brought a lot of freedom. And one reason was... We wrote it as people were always asking, what's your story? And I thought, you know what? Here, just take the book home and read it. <laughs> There's our story. And then there was also knowing that because our life was such a public thing, the failure was such a public thing, that we knew people talked about us and what we'd gone through. So I thought, you know what? Why not just hear it from our side? Everybody else is talking about it. Why don't we just tell it from our side? So it was freeing. It was healing. It was... It needed to happen, and it helped others. Yeah. So then we started sharing that story and started uh, being asked to bring the story, share it in other churches. So we went back to the table and wrote the second book, Never Settle for Good Enough, which is a simplified guide to a better marriage that we took all the things that we did wrong in our marriage, and we couldn't fit it into a book. <laughs> so we uh, summed it up into just six simple little things. That we wrote. But it's all scripture-based. The best yep. marriage man manual, the best self-help manual is the Word of God. Yep. By far. That yeah. Word tells us what to do in every circumstance, in every situation. We just fail to listen to it yep. and obey it. Now, one of the things I, if you'll notice on the front cover, if you've uh, never seen it, is the two coffee cups. These are, this is how different Starla and I are. Uh, I'm the black coffee guy, and she is the almond milk latte with cinnamon and honey or oat milk with cinnamon and honey. We're just that polar opposites. And we're going to talk a little bit about how our opposites, uh, they kind of helped in the frustration early on. But now we find a lot of fun in it, right? Yeah. Uh, we laugh a lot. We laugh uh, a whole lot. Um, so where are you going right now? I'm a little confused. Where you get off track. I, <laughs> I want to go back to the self-help so that everybody here, if you're not married, um, you won't feel left out. It, first of all, if you're sitting here thinking, I don't need anything they have to say, well, then you need this more than anybody. But we just kind of want to talk, as he said, to the individuals. We can't be healthy in relationships until we're healthy individually. And I went for a walk yesterday just, just to try to wrap my head around 
what needs to be said. And um, we were talking the other day about if people came to us and said, what is the one thing, the most important thing that could happen in your relationship, in your marriage to make it work? And that would be priorities, to get them in order. And I think everybody in this room has some priority that's off and not in the right order that it should be. And that's what happened to us when we got together. I was completely, as he said, you know, focused on the wrong thing. I was focused on him. He was my number one. He was gonna complete me. He was gonna fill that empty void that I had. He was completely focused on success and looking good. You know, being successful. And um, as, as our years went on in marriage, I didn't really receive back what I needed from him. First of all, I put the pressure on him that should have only come from God because only God can complete me. That's putting way too much weight on a human being is for them to make you whole. They can't. But because I didn't receive what I wanted from him when I started having children, I poured my entire life into my children And there I was praised, there I was adored, there I was wanted, there I was needed. So I just, I was drawn to that more and more. Um, And he was continue, continued to be drawn to success. But yesterday when I was walking, the scriptures that came to my mind is if we were to simplify this, first of all, in, in Matthew, where we read, there's a chapter about worrying, which we all can worry in different ways, but it comes down to seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all the things, all the things that you need will be added unto you. But seek first the kingdom of God. And that's where we missed it. I was seeking Kindle. He was seeking um, success. And then I started started thinking about the, the greatest commandment when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord with your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And think about that. Do you really, do you really, first of all, love the Lord your God with everything inside of you? If you did, you would be seeking him first, seeking the kingdom first. But our world, and it's been this way since Adam and Eve, is caught up in seeking and craving things that we were never meant to have. If you think about all the mistakes you've made, It was because you were seeking and craving something you weren't meant to have. All the crashes, all the burns, all the pain that you've self-inflicted or someone has caused, it's because you or someone else was seeking and craving something you were never meant to have. So seek ye first the kingdom of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Everything that you do, every decision, every reaction, everything that you do every day, It sounds time-consuming, but trust me, this is your eternity you're thinking about. Think about, is this pleasing God? Am I seeking God first in this decision, in this reaction, in this action? Um, And then love your neighbor as yourself. But what we skip over there and what I skipped over there often was love yourself because I didn't love myself. And I'm the worst critic of myself and myself always says negative hurtful, mean things about me to myself. So I have to love myself the right way before I can love my husband right, before I can love my kids right, before I can love my coworkers, my family, all those around me, my neighbor. I can't love my neighbor right until I love me right. And I can't love me right until I love God right. That's good. So let's go home. Boom. Let's go work on it. All right. (laughs) 
Okay, here are three steps to a better marriage real quick. Knowing who you are with God, knowing who you are in yourself, and knowing who you are with everyone else. And again, these work with any relationships. Knowing who you are with God. You've got to have a right understanding of who you are with God. And that starts with knowing who God is. And too many of us have a wrong concept of God where we think God is the big judge up on the throne that's got the lightning bolt. And as soon as you mess up, he just wants to zap you and you mess up. He's sending you to hell. If you don't straighten up and get it right. I want to draw a different picture of God because it's portrayed in the story of the prodigal son with a father who's standing on the balcony every day looking for his son to come back. When his son finally starts coming, he sees him from afar, from a distance, because he's looking for him. And then when he sees him, he comes down off the balcony and he starts running towards his son. There's a God who's running towards you while you're still covered in the filth of the world. He's running towards you. It's not waiting for you to come and give the good explanation yet. No, he's just running to you because you're his son. And then he gets to you. And then when you start saying, I'm not worthy to be your son, just take me back as a hired hand. What does he say? He said, forget that stuff. You're my son. And he wraps his arms around you and he hugs you and he holds you. And then he puts a new robe on you, new sandals on your feet, a new ring on your finger. He throws the party for you. Why? Because he's your father and he loves you. Now, I'm not saying there aren't consequences to sin. There are consequences to sin. God is just. But because God is just, he sent his son to die for our sins because he knew we couldn't do it. And he offers us love and forgiveness. So rather than having a concept of a God that's always mad at me and always disappointed in me, no, there's a God who loves you, cares about you, who wants you to win, wants you to succeed. And when you wander off and you stray away, he's got his eyes out there wondering, when are you coming back? Come on back. Come on back. I'm waiting on you to return. So you, you've got to know who you are with God. You're not the stepchild that's always in trouble and always locked up in a cellar somewhere. No, no, no. You're his son. You're his daughter. And he loves you and he cares about you. So in, a, in order to know who you are with God, you've got to know who God is. You've got to make sure you've got the right concept and the right image of God in your mind. And then second, you've got, you got to know who you are in yourself. You've got to be comfortable with yourself. You've got to be comfortable in your own skin. And this is one of the things that we messed up. You know what? I messed up way, way more than Starla. We both had our issues with, she, I was, she felt like I was trying to, I needed to complete her. But I saw Starla as negative. And I saw me as positive. And I thought my job was to convert her over to the positive side of life. That didn't work. It just didn't work. I really thought that's what I was supposed to do. I just thought, you know, if I just get her to see that the glass is half full, it's not half empty. And he's dominant. And I'm, what would you call, would you call me submissive? I call you beautiful. Okay. <laughs> he's dominant. So I, I believed, I started to believe everything he was saying about me, that I was thinking wrong. I was the wrong personality. I was, I needed to be more like him. I believed him. it. Yeah. Well, you made me believe it too. So it made me feel this big. Here's the problem. I need counseling, guys. No, I'm kidding. 
here's the problem. We saw each other, or I saw her as something that I needed to change. And so I worked to try to change. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that any marriage can make, thinking that you go into this marriage, well, I'll change them as soon as I get the ring on the finger. No, no you are just asking for trouble. God made us a certain way. And one of the best things we did was understand how we're made, why we're made differently, and how we can function in our marriage better when our strengths are uh, combined, combined and accentuated yeah. rather than you know living in our negative. Because uh, I'm the sanguine, I'm the outgoing person. Starla's more of the phlegmatic, melancholy thinker. She just did this, this brain quiz thing. Starla, just like most women, like their husbands to take quizzes. Anybody here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants me to, she has sent me Y'all this. need to take quizzes more to figure out who you are for the next point that he's talking about is know who you are. Yeah, she sent me this brain quiz and I thought, you just want to find out if you're smarter than me. I know, I know. And then we'll have proof. You're okay, smarter so, than me. So we found out our personalities. We found this out a long time ago, our, how different they were, but we didn't do anything about it. We just, then it was competitive. It's like, well, mine's better than yours. Mine says sensitive and positive. And, and mine says, you know, the party animal. And mine says, we'll think it through, you know, and stupid things won't happen. So we were thinking, we were more like competitive, right? Until we crashed and burned. And then it was like, wait a minute, let's step back. Let's look at this again. And we were operating in all the weaknesses of our personalities. But the strengths combined made us powerful. And it, it was exactly what God wanted for the strengths in our marriages and our personalities to come together so that we could be strong. So I just sent in this, this brain quiz because I'm really fascinated about what I'm learning as far as the brain goes, because it has a lot to do with the way we act. It's just like our personalities. We all have brain types. Did y'all know that? Maybe you did. I'm a slow learner. But we have these brain types and we react different ways because of the brain type that we have. So I realized when, I, when he took his test and I was looking over at what you may be like or things you may do because you have this brain type. Well, for years, when he wouldn't understand something I would tell him, I would think, what were you thinking? Or can't you just see it like this? Well, he couldn't because that part of his brain isn't there. Prefrontal it's not, it's not, cortex. It is not there. Cortex, PFC. It's not a medical, working. it's a not medical working. thing. Just like me, part of my brain doesn't operate. And y'all are the same way. So don't be looking at me like I'm an idiot. So we all need to figure out what our brain types are. Because listen, this helps you in your relationship. It helps you understand yourself. And that's one thing in my brain is my brain is sensitive. Yours is spontaneous. Okay. So the sensitive brain, when, when things go bad, when things go wrong, and this a lot, of, you can have a lot of crossovers and brain types too, but I don't let it go. I don't forget it. It's there. Ever. Forever. It's always there. And then it all gets twisted up with all the other things that I can't lo- let go. And, but because I don't love myself the way I should, there's a lot of negative thinking going on and there's a lot of defeat and there's a lot of, there's a constant battle in this mind. Now him, he's got things all in these different little areas that he can just put away and not even think about it until I crawl in there and pull it out and say, here it is, <laughs> see, remember this? And he's like, I started oh. putting locks on <laughs> those little drawers. But it makes us function and react in different ways. But here's the deal. 
is not only do our personalities complement each other when we work in the strings, but our brains complement each other. So if we put our brains together, we're almost a whole brain, baby. Almost. You and me. almost. <laughs> we can make it through things. <laughs> but you have to know who you are in yourself and be comfortable with yourself. Be comfortable with who God made you and, and quit criticizing yeah. the other ones. Just start you know, focusing on the positives. And it's easy if you'll... And understanding why. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's the same concept. The brain concept, the temperament, personality concept, the love languages concept. It's all the same thing for the most part. Uh, you understand who you are and understand who your spouse is uh, so that you can... Your children, children learn differently. That's why you can just look at one of your children and they, you know, fall into alignment. The other one, you have to kind of... Make discipline them fly. <laughs> a lot uh, because they're different. Their brains work different. So it, it's important that you know who you are with God. It's important that you know who you are in yourself. Be comfortable with yourself and understand that. And then last, you got to know who you are with everyone else. What, what do I mean by that? I mean, what role does everybody else have in your life? What priority does everybody else have in your life? Because there are some of us that have made the mistake in our marriages of allowing our in-laws to have way too much space in our marriage. There's a reason. There's a reason why you leave and cleave. You leave mama and daddy and you cleave to your spouse. There's a purpose in the marriage ceremony while your father walks the bride down the aisle and hands you off to your husband and then goes and sits down. It's symbolic of now you are separated. You are your own family unit. I'm not saying that we don't have a place for our in-laws. I love my in-laws and we love our family's involvement, but some, you got you to gotta draw the line. Some of them are just in your business way too much. And some of us, we've allowed our kids to get inside of our marriage and disrupt. Some of you have allowed pets to disrupt your marriage. You don't have a right relationship with your pets. You're getting celebrated by your dog a lot more than you are your husband. (laughs) (laughs) And so you've made that a priority. Some, it may be work. It may be other things. It may be money. But here, you've got to know who you are in relationship with everyone else. Well, how do you do that? It goes back to those priorities that you talked about. And there's a list of them that'll be on the screen next. If they're there, the priorities, God, your spouse, your children, your church, and your church is going to help you keep those other three in alignment, then followed by extended family and friends, your work, and then hobbies and interests. You've got to know the right priorities. Now, this is something that we did on our Wednesday night breakout in the marriage, and we do it in our conferences, is we ask a husband and a wife to write down their top five priorities separately without talking, and then compare those lists. And it's amazing how nobody gets it right. Nobody. I don't think anybody's ever got five for five in the right order, in the right, because we don't talk about it. We just think that they're just going to find their way through our lives. No, you have to be very intentional about what your priorities are and in agreement with your spouse on those priorities. God, 
spouse, children, church, those are kind of non-negotiable. I will concede that maybe extended family and friends and work could flip depending on your circumstance. If you are a caretaker or there is some extenuating circumstance, I, I, would, I would concede that conversation. Uh, but you need to make sure that you know in each of these areas uh, how they fit into your life. We had them all messed up. And it just, it sent us in different directions. And so you got to make sure you get that right. Okay, last few things here, and I'm going to wrap up. Musicians, y'all come on back. How to improve your relationship with your spouse, or this works with any relationship. New adventures, new information, and a new you. New adventures. You got to do something new. Do something different. Get out of the rut. Get out of the boredom. Get out of the routine of just doing the same old thing every single day, every single week. New adventures. It's clear that it releases the dopamine and the oxytocin that are necessary to create excitement in life. That's why some people go outside of the marriage to try to find that. You got to just create it yourself, whether it's food, going out, try someplace new. How many of you like trying new places to eat? Okay, how many of you don't? You just like the same old place because you know what you're going to get. No surprises. Okay, a few of you get it. We, we got to get you out a little more, Vanessa, okay? <laughs> Ralph, this week, take her someplace new. All right, don't let her, don't let her dig her heels in. Uh-uh, take her someplace new. Here's what you get, new adventures. Whether it's food, whether it's arts, do something you haven't done before. You say, well, I don't like it. You, you may not. You may not even know whether you like it or not. Do something new, something adventurous. Uh, whether it's uh, going outdoors, whether it's your intimacy, just do something different. Create new adventures. Starla used to do this before COVID took her taste buds away and food was really fun. That We would go about once a week on what she would call Kendall and Starla food adventures. And we would go try someplace new. She would post about it, talk about it. But the challenge was to do something, eat someplace we'd never eaten before. Sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was a dud. The greatest vacation we ever took, in my opinion, was when we decided, this was uh, maybe 10 years ago now, uh, we flew into Denver. We bought a real cheap ticket to get into Denver and rented a car, drove, when we got to the airport, got the car, we were hungry, so we went, found a restaurant, and when we sat down at the restaurant, then we pulled out a map and decided which way we go from here. Didn't decide anything beforehand. Which way do we go from here? Didn't know if it was going to be in Colorado or take us to some other states. Where do you want to go? We sat and we decided. We decided, okay, well, let's go to Glenwood Springs. Well, we went there. We did everything we could find there, found a hotel. I know it was a little risky. Sometimes the hotel worked out good. Sometimes it didn't. But it was all part of the adventure. Best 10 days ever for a spontaneous guy. I know it pushed Starla out of her comfort zone, but we had a blast, didn't we? And we just kind of ended up working our way around west, across Colorado, and back down south, and then back. And we found, in fact, we found on that trip uh, a little hidden gem of a city where we take uh, pastors 
uh, every year on a better marriage getaway. It was just God's way. It was a new adventure. So let me ask you real quick. What is something new that you could do this week that you've never done before? What's something new you could do you've never done before? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Somebody in this section right here, just yell it out. What's something new you could do this week you've never done before? What is it? A dance class. One of the best things we did and most frustrating things we ever did was go to a dance class. Now, here's the, here's the backstory. Our daughter, Summer, our oldest daughter, was, was getting married, and she, was, she wanted to have you know, the first dance and have a dance, and we'd never been dancing before. Because God would strike us dead if we did. <laughs> so we took dance lessons and dance class, Arthur Murray dance class, and it was a little weird, but we took it so that we could dance at our daughter's wedding. And we did every trick we, we learned. We did it. Oh, we knew every, we had four tricks Four moves. <laughs> and we did them all night long. And then when our next daughter was getting married, she was going to have a dance. So oh, well, let's sign up for those classes. Let's get brushed up. We did it again. We had so much fun. And I found out Starla's a much better dancer than I am. Uh, in fact, our instructor would call me happy feet every now and then when <laughs> I'd get my feet moving a little faster than they were supposed to. Yes, go dancing. In fact, the last better marriage uh, date night or of a better marriage date night we did a couple of years ago, and we had a dance. It was the prom theme. For those of you that are new to this, it was great. And I don't remember the couple, but there was an older couple that came with one of our younger couples. They'd been married 50 plus years, and they were out there dancing all night. It was so cute. And uh, when I asked them what was the key to a successful marriage, they said, dance. Of course, of course. Go dancing. Somebody over in this section, what's something new you could do this week? Never done before. Go to a paint class. Don't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Go to a paint class. Bring me the painting. I want to see what it looks like. Somebody in this section. Try yoga. Ooh, that sounds painful. <laughs> I'm not very flexible, but yes, do it. Hot yoga. Goat yoga. Oh, Just, wow. <laughs> yes. Just do something different. Just break up the monotony and do something different. Okay, and then new information. Here's the second thing, new information. You need to create an opportunity to create question and answer and dialogue so you can get new information. We do this when we started out the Wednesday night. We gave questions for you to ask. We gave you date night questions that you could ask on a date night on a weekly basis. Because what that does is it allows you to find out things about your spouse. Starla has these cards. And where'd you get the cards? Online. Just ordered them online? Yeah, just questions you can ask your spouse or ask your children. Just stay away from, when it's your spouse, stay away from questions that would stir up frustrating feelings like your celebrity crush. Your ex or... your, was your ex a better kisser than me? Just, you know, just that's stay away just from stupid. That stupid stuff. That's stupid. Don't let it drag you into but, that. But... We've been married 40, almost 41 years, and I'm still learning a lot about him. And then the new information as well is we're, it's kind of a new adventure too, is we're, we're both, well, he's doing it because of me, learning about our brains. And I'm learning things about him that are starting to make sense. And it's kind of fun. 
<laughs> There's so many things that could be said right there. But it is, we're learning something new together. And that's, that's fun. You're never too old to learn something new. You just get stuck in a rut and then life is boring and then you get frustrated because you're bored. So. And here's why it's also important and fun to be able to ask these questions, have the little card game where you, because sometimes information changes through the years. Sometimes your favorite flower changes. Maybe your favorite fragrance changes. Maybe your favorite vacation. You always thought it was the beach and then you went to the beach and got sunburned. Thought I never want to do that again. Now it's mountains. You change. And so asking the questions, revisiting the questions, sometimes you discover, oh wow, you've changed. You've evolved. That's okay. But that's part of the process and you have to have the process. So new adventures, new information, and then last, a new you. Takes me right back to where I started. You want to have a better marriage? You've got to be better. What are you going to do today to be better? What can you do today to be better? What can you do right now? For some, you know what? I could, I could believe differently about God. I could believe that he's for me, not against me. What could you do right now? You, you could believe something different about yourself. Quit thinking that you don't have what it takes to make this marriage work. Yes, you do. You've got a community of faith right here. You've got a God above you and beneath you and beside you and around you who's going to help you every step of the way. Start believing you have the ability to have better relationships because you believe in a better you. Maybe, maybe you've got some pain, some hurt, some wounds, and you need to let it go. You need to forgive. You need to receive healing. You can get that today. The process can start today. What can you do to be a better you?